This morning, we will continue our study in Lamentations chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 38 this morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 through 28. And our topic we'll be speaking on this morning is trusting in God's faithfulness. There is, there is a posture that a true believer takes if they truly trust God, even when they're suffering. And that's what we'll see here in our passage this morning. So uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 through 38. And I'll start my reading back in verse number, I say, verse number 19, verse number 18. So look with me at God's word. This is God's word. Jeremiah says, so I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Is that you here this morning? Is, 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 is life beating up on you to the point to where you feel as if you have no hope? Well, God's, God has a word for you this morning. So he says, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my afflictions, my affliction and my wonderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord, notice, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him alone, or sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him, let him give his cheek to one who, who strikes him and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men to crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the most high, to subvert a man in his lawsuit. The Lord does not approve. Who has spoken and it come to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? It is, is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? This is God's word 
God's holy word, God's precious word, God's inspired word, God's word that stands forever and forever. So how are we to respond in suffering? How is a person to respond when they are experiencing the discipline of the Lord for their sin? Well, Jeremiah has shown us first, we'll be honest. We'll be honest about the severity of the difficult times and and the, the, the distress in our lives. We're, we're to be honest about those things. For Jeremiah, things were, were so bad that he says that he, he lost his hope. We read that in verse number 18. And so Jeremiah demonstrates that for us. But he also demonstrates something else. He, he, he didn't linger too long on lamenting his circumstances. He, he didn't stay in the corner complaining or, or uh, about his circumstances. He, he didn't stay there. He, he, he stood upon the rubble, looking out upon the ruined city and, and in the midst of the affliction and the suffering. Suddenly, all of a sudden, suddenly Jer- something came to Jeremiah's mind. Suddenly, he says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have, a, have hope. Jeremiah remembered something and it gave him hope. The circumstances didn't change. His perspective changed. And because of that change in perspective, he had hope. What, what was it that Jeremiah did? What was it that, that Jeremiah remembered? Well, we read it. In verses 25, uh, back in the verse, as you were, verse number 21, uh, 21, he says, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Here it is. This is what he remembered. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. You notice the nevers there? Never means never. No matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it may just I, I want to go back again and call to your mind what it is that the people are going through, how they are suffering. And yet in the midst of all of that, Jeremiah says, the mercies of the Lord never. Do you get you get the contrast? They never cease no matter what you're going through. And what we what we what we know about God and, and his compassion to us, that that even with. Uh, to, to the people of Israel, God's wrath would not always be upon them. Why? Because God's mercy never ceases. And that, that, that gives us, that gives us hope. It, it gives us hope in the midst of, of suffering. Jer- Jeremiah knew this. He, he knew, he knew that the people deserved what they were getting. They weren't, you know, they weren't innocent. They weren't suffering innocently. He, he understood that the people were getting what they fully deserved. But there was a glimmer of hope because God didn't wipe them off the face of the earth. 
They were getting what they deserved. No doubt many had died, but there was a remnant that remained. And Jeremiah observing this, observing all the ruins, observing that there are, yeah, these people, they're suffering, uh, they're starving. But there's hope because some still live. There are some people who are still alive. And if they are still alive, they're still God's people. And if they are God's people, God will be merciful to them. Jeremiah remembers this. He remembers Yahweh and his character. And so this brought Jeremiah hope. It brought him hope. So so what's the next step? What what is the next step that that Jeremiah remembered that Lamentations is a is a template for the people, a template for them to to know how to respond uh, in the midst of of their affliction, how they are to to respond. They are to remember something. But as they remember something, there is something else that they must do. And this is what we will find in our text today. They are they, they are not only to know that God is 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 his uh, mercies never cease. But they are to do something in light of that. They're to live their lives in light of that. And, and so what are they to do? What, what is it that it what is it that they're to do? Look with me at verse number 25. We'll see here in our outline. If you have a copy, we'll we'll see that they are to wait upon the Lord. And this, we'll see this in verses 25 through uh, 27. In fact, 25 through 30, we'll go all the way there. Wait on him. Wait on the Lord. Notice the text. What is the what is the motivation? What What is the motivation to wait upon the Lord? Well, Jeremiah starts out right at the beginning of the verse. The Lord is good. I mean, we can stop right there and end the sermon. The Lord is this is Yahweh. This is the covenant God of Israel. The Lord is good. Jeremiah confesses that the, the one whose covenant love and mercy never cease, he is good. And the interesting thing about verses 25 through 27. In the Hebrew, each verse starts with good. Each verse starts with good. In our English translation, we don't see that. But in the, in the Hebrew, each, the first word of each verse is good. And so all the focus here is on the goodness of God. Uh, if you, you can read it like this. God, uh, good is the Lord to those who wait upon him. Good it is that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Good it is for a young man to to bear the yoke of his youth. The Lord is good. This is what this is. This is the 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 necessary information that the people need in order to 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 transition to the next step. Psalm 119 verse 68 declares this. You are good. Who? God. You are good and do good. 
God alone is good. He is our greatest good. And because he is our greatest good, if we have him, we have hope. No matter what we're going through, I'm going to keep banging that. Uh, no matter what we're going through, as long as we, as, as, as long as we, for us here on this side, uh, 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 in the New Testament, we have Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. <laughs> and because that is our reality, we have hope. No matter what we're going through, I'm going to keep banging that. Because I know that that there are many in the times in which we're living. It, life can be difficult. But if you are in Christ. And God is your father. Know that he is good. Notice the text that that God's goodness has a. A specific focus. He says the Lord is good. Notice the focus. To those. Who wait for him. <laughs> this is the posture. This is the posture of a child of God. Is suffering. The, the posture is. Don't be trying to do everything. Trying to get yourself out of your situation. Or trying to get other people out of their situation. Wait. Wait up on him. And what does it mean to 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 wait, to wait for him? Well, there's two things I want to point out. There's a, a passive side to waiting, a, a passive side. What do I mean by that? This passing this this passive side of waiting is simply trusting. It's, it's, it's trusting that uh, trusting in God, trusting God to act in his own time and in his own way. That's the passive side. There's a pacifier, just trusting, having faith in God and knowing that God is bringing about his good, uh, his glory for our, and, and our good in, in the circumstance. But then there's an active side in, in waiting. There, there's an active side where where we're waiting and we're praying and we're pleading and we're calling out to God. We're making uh, our, our situation known to God. We're petitioning him. For wisdom, we, we are we are asking him for direction and, and, and for help. So so waiting involves uh, trusting in God, but also going to him in prayer and, and 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 going to him as our father. And asking him to intervene. So the Lord is good to those who wait. For him. For him, not for anything else. You, you get that that preposition. Those who wait for him. For him and him alone. He elaborates on this. To show that. This is not just 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 waiting. There's there's a seeking involved. He says to the soul who seeks him. To 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 the soul, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter thirteen, and and, and keep in mind what Jeremiah is doing. 
is preparing the people for repentance. We'll talk about that next week. He is, he is preparing the people for repentance. And notice, he is not saying that the people are doing these things. He is making a statement saying to them simply, the Lord, this is who the Lord is to those who wait. They're not waiting yet. They have not repented yet. But Jeremiah, in, in his desire to, to love the, the people of God, is laboring to help them to understand how to come out. And Jeremiah, something else I, I pointed out to, to, to Paul is that Jeremiah wanted to pray for the people. God told Jeremiah not to pray for them. <laughs> they had to go through what they're going through. Jer uh, God told Jeremiah, even if, if Moses and Aaron, who had their prayers answered, if they pray for the people, I will not hear. So there, there's a, 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 a there, there, they have to go through what they're going through. And Jeremiah understands this, but he also knows that there is a day when they're going to come out. And they have to know how to come out. Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse number 13. And this, as a matter of fact, go up to verse number 11. This is a well-known passage. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah understands this. He knows that there are going to come a time when the people will call upon the Lord. They will pray to him. They will seek him and they will find him. So Jeremiah is simply laying out the a template. This 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 is what. This is this is what this is who the Lord is. This is what he desires. He is good to those who wait for him. He is he is good to the soul who seeks him. This word seek here is to is is a is a, a longing. It's a it's a it's a longing for a relationship with the Lord. It, it's a it's a it's a longing for the for a relationship. It, it is a in in this word seek you. It, it's also a longing for a relationship, a longing to to worship God, to to know him. That That's what this seeking. That's what's involved in this seeking to the soul who seeks him, who, in a sense, who longs to have a relationship with him uh, uh, to, to the soul who longs to to worship him. To, to the show, the soul who desires to have communion with him and to serve him. So that those who seek him will know how to obey him. That, that's what's involved in this seeking. And I think Psalm 121 verses 1 through 3 kind of gives us a, a, an idea of this. Turn to Psalm 123.
And it's good to hear Bible pages turning. And the heading in my Bible for Psalm 123 is our eyes look to the Lord our God. And verse 1 says to you, I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us now in there so there there in this this seeking god it is not uh in a sense passive where you just sitting around thinking about god it, it is a it is a it is to have a, a longing to to know him in the midst of what you're going through what is it that you desire most to be delivered or to know him Maybe that's what God is after in your life. Maybe what God is after is your desire for him to know him, to know him alone. Even if you're like the apostle, uh, like uh, uh, Job, who said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God wants us to seek him because the posture of 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 his of his children is to is to be like a, a a maid servant who is waiting waiting to hear from him waiting for him to give a command for for his children to do something waiting for him to say uh and give instructions on how we're to worship him that's what we're to do that's involved in this seeking it, it is to 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 have exclusive trust in him to trust him and trust him alone that his way is good that 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 knowing him is the best thing that we have the psalmist said this in psalm 27 verse 4 he said one thing listen to what he says beloved one thing have i asked of the lord that will i seek after what is it that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Is that your desire, beloved? Not to have a, a life that is good. Those things, th this is not bad. But more than anything, do you want to gaze upon your Lord? Do you want to know God? He says to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord to, and to inquire in his temple. When you're going through leaving the church is not the best thing for you to do. Stop going to church is not the best thing for you to do. In verse 8 of Psalm 27, the, psalm says, the psalmist says this. You have said, seek my faith. My heart says to you, this is in response. Your face do I seek. 
The psalmist's faith is, is such that he just he wants to continually live in the presence of God. He 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 desires to continually know his God. And this is where deliverance starts. Deliverance starts with having the right heart attitude. An attitude that bends the will to God, that bends all one's heart to know God. Jeremiah adds in verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly. <laughs> it is good to, to wait. This word, this is a, a different uh, form of the word wait. And here it, it is to to wait in a sense to stay or to continue in the present experience. It is good that one should wait, stay in the experience or the circumstance that they're in quietly. To wait quietly is to, is to, is to in a sense, to have a, a, a settled, respectful reverence that is willing to endure whatever God sends into your life. Position of reverence. God, do what you must with my life because I'm yours. It is good that one should wait quietly. Wait quietly. Remember that for Judah, they're suffering for their sin. And, and it, it's not... Because they're suffering for their sin, it's not good for them to argue with God about what's going on in their life. Because what is going on is the result of what they have done. And so it's good for them to, to wait quietly, to, to not argue with God, to not quarrel with him, to, to not to. Uh, and it also implies that it's not good for them to seek other solutions. You see, God sometimes deal with us to the point to where he takes away everything else in our lives. So the only thing that we have is the ability to go on our knees and cry out to him. To, 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 there, there is nothing else that we can say. There is nothing else that we can do. There is nothing else that we can hold on to because God has a way of taking those things away. And so Jeremiah said, it's good. That's good. It's good that one should wait quietly. Wait quietly for what, Jeremiah? For his salvation. It, it, God is the, the one who is, is, has the power to intervene. God is the one who is able to rescue his people. God is the one who is able to help his people in the midst of, of, the, of, of their despair. God is the only one who is able to help them in their suffering. So they are to, to wait quietly for his salvation. And William uh, Barrett noted this, and I think it's helpful. He says, quote, actually, the waiting might be for days upon end or months or years. This waiting, there, there is no time stamp to this call to wait in our circumstances. 
he says that the solutions for the, and this is, is referring especially for the, the people of Israel because of their sin. He says the solutions for the messes of our sinful behavior causes uh, or uh, sinful behavior are rarely quick and easy. <laughs> he says, but when we give ourselves into God's keeping, he will bring about our deliverance in his perfect time. End quote. So this waiting for God to to uh, deliver deliverance may be that God just gives you his grace in the midst of your circumstances. He may not. You, I think of people like Johnny Erickson Todd, who is a wonderful testimony of God and, and giving grace in the midst of suffering. If you don't know Johnny Erickson Todd, go look her up. Go look at her videos, read her books. And God has used this woman to minister to those who are not just healthy like us, but to other paraplegics and, and, and things like that. She has been a, a great testimony for, for the grace of Christ. And we know that she's not getting up out of that wheelchair that she's in. And if you listen to her, she loves to sing and she gives a testimony. And it is such a wonderful thing just to just to sit down and just hear of the grace of God in her life. Knowing she knows that that she'll be in the state that she's in. She's suffering daily, having pain in her body daily, in a wheelchair. Can't she has to have people that have to feed her, that have to wipe her bottom on a daily basis. She's dependent upon other people, but she's content in that situation, knowing that her God put her there. And that he'll give her grace to come out. To 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 I should say to live through it. That could be God's salvation. But specifically for the people, they're looking for a restoration to the, the state that they were as the people of God. We'll wait quietly for his salvation. Jeremiah goes on, verse 20, and he's given just these thoughts, this, these wisdom nuggets to the people of God. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. Yoke here, uh, Calvin said that it, it refers, it can refer to the, uh, the, the teaching under the, the uh, law of God, uh, but it, it can refer also to times of, of misery and suffering. He says it is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth, meaning that, that uh, uh, early on in life, it's good to, to, to understand that, that God sustains those who trust him. It's, it's good, young people, for you to learn at an early age that God sustains. And remember, uh, uh, I think it was last Sunday. I was talking about that God is faithful, his, his, that his mercy never ends, that he, that he is, he is always faithful. He is always, we have just heard and, and, and beloved, I hope you hear the, 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 the wonderful news of, of God's mercy, of, of God's healing of Mariah. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is mercy. 
He is merciful. His mercies never cease. Uh, of, of Nora's mom who, who, who has been healed of her cancer. God's mercy never ceases. Children, pay attention to those things. Write it down in your notebook. Put it on your calendar. And remember. Because God is, is helping you to understand that, 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 and, and, and both of these individuals, we know that God has been sustaining them. In the midst of it, that they still trust in him. And that is our God. Our God is so great in the midst of suffering. I wish I can beat this into your head. Because you got to know this. You have to know these things. You have to learn them now. David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, he said, I have been young and now am old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. You have to get these things early on. Before God chastens you. By nature, we're impatient people. We're impatient. We don't like to wait. But I think one author, what he noted, I think is well said. He said, God, he said, God does put stoplights in our lives that we may learn to wait on him. <laughs> so these, these difficulties that you see people in this congregation going through are simply stoplights. Perhaps you're struggling, too. There, it's all, all it is is a stoplight, but God, God is getting your attention for you to stop and wait on him. To stop trying to figure it out. How can I make things better for my life? No, stop and wait on him. Verse number 26. Not only must we wait on him, we must submit to his discipline. Verse 28. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. What is the it? The yoke. The times of suffering and misery. Let him sit in silence. It's a silence here is a, a sign of submission to, to what God is presently doing. When a, when a, when a, when a, uh, a person, you know, think of you know, teachers and when they're in the classroom teaching their children, how do you know that the children are paying attention? When they're sitting quietly and they're looking at you. They're talking, they're, they're you know, doing their own thing. They're not paying attention. But if they're waiting, if they're sitting and they're silent, they're showing that they're submitting their attention to you. So Jeremiah said, let him sit in silence when it is laid upon him. As a person who is going through suffering and misery, wait in silence. Submit to God. Submit to him without complaining. Submit to him without making accusations that what he is doing is unfair or that is harsh. Submit to God. Trust in him and allow the, the 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 
the blessing of trusting him and waiting on him to steal your heart and mind. This word in silence is the same word that is used in uh, Psalm 37, verse 7. It says, be still. This word be still is just the same root word of in silence here in our passage. Uh, the psalmist says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. He says in Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, for God alone. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Wait in silence is the same word that is root word that is used here of in silence. So wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my fort, my refuge is God. Trust in him all Time, at all times, O oh people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Sheila. And also in Psalm 131, verse 2, this, this word is used again, the root word is used again, but I have calmed and quieted. This, this, this is the same word, quieted my soul like a weaned child when it's, uh, with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. There's a sense of submission. If you go back and read the verses, there's a sense of submission. Uh, uh, there's a sense of quietness and waiting on God. And also in verse number 29, he says, let him put his mouth in the dust. I think if we pay attention to that, we, we understand what he means, right? Get on your face. <laughs> this this uh, put his put his mouth in the dust. It denotes a, a becoming a person pro, uh, prostrating himself on the ground before someone. And it's interesting. He says that there may yet still be hope <laughs> to, to 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 submit and and to humble yourself. To, to to this this submission calls for for humility before God. Not not asking God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why have you made my life this way? No, it's getting on your face. You know, it's amazing in the scriptures when people came in, when they came in, 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 in contact with God, when they came into the presence of God, they fell on their face. Isaiah, when he was uh, caught up in the, in, in, in the temple, he was he fell on his face. Peter, James, and John, when they was on the Mount Transfiguration and the Lord, he was trans, transfigured before them and they saw his glory. Guess what they did? They fell on their face. John on the island of Patmos, when he seen the resurrected Christ, what did he do? He fell on his face. We need to learn how to fall on our face sometimes. Habakkuk 2 and 20 says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Shut your mouth. Learn to humble yourself before him. Stop talking to yourself. Stop talking to other people. Get on your face and wait on God is what he's saying. Verse number 30, let him Give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. This is this is reminiscent of, of what our Lord did. Uh, Isaiah in Isaiah uh, 50 and verse six, 
he talk, talks about this and says that this is what our Lord would do. He gave himself and allowed his beard to be plucked out. And what is this? What does this point out? That there's a there's a total surrender. That there's a total surrender to the to, to the difficult circumstances that God has ordained. Surrender where there's no retaliation, there's no seeking vengeance. There's 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 not uh, an attempt to to strike a rebellion against what is going on. In, in a sense, what our Lord said is similar to this. If somebody strike you on one cheek, turn the other. Surrender. That is the, Jeremiah is saying that you, you, you must surrender to, to, to where you are. Remember, they are these people are in, in exile under the Babylonians who are treating them harshly. Jeremiah says, let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. <laughs> verse number 33. Uh, as you were, verse number uh, 31, for the Lord does not cast. This is, this is, you say, this, this is doing all this. I mean, why should I do it? Why should the people do this? Verse 31, for the Lord would not cast off forever. <laughs> I imagine the people reading this, they started dancing. <laughs> they probably started shouting, for the Lord would not cast, why would he not cast off forever? Because his mercies are new every morning. Go through what you must go through. And for the people of Israel, remember, they are to remember that you got yourself into this. But your hope is that the Lord would not cast you off forever. His wrath is temporary. He will not reject his children forever. Even though it may feel like it. Remember Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah was saying that it felt like the Lord was against him like a wild animal. It felt like the Lord was an archery who was, who was shooting arrows into his, 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 in, into his soul. But the Lord would not cast you off forever. Just, just think about what he's saying. They're suffering, and his suffering is real. Jeremiah says, the Lord will not cast you off forever. Verse 32, but though he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Verse number 33, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. What Jeremiah is saying is God does not find joy. God is, is, is not sitting back rejoicing at what is happening to his people. He's, he's, he is not deriving some sense of pleasure from afflicting his people. This is necessary. What they're going through is necessary because God is holy. His, his wrath is necessary. It's a necessary his God's holy wrath is a, a necessary response of his holiness to sin. But also. With God's response to to sin, that does not mean that the other characteristics of God are left out. We read that in Exodus 
34. The God is, is merciful. He's compassionate. But he does. He does punish for sin. He does discipline us. And Jeremiah goes on. He says. Under the Lord's discipline. When even if as the Lord is is using Babylon to come against his people, to cap to capture his people, to enslave his people. God doesn't approve of what they're doing. They're wicked. This deep Bab uh, the Babylonians is a wicked nation. They don't know God. And 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 Jeremiah is saying that. Even though God is using the Babylonians to come against you, God doesn't approve of their methods. <laughs> he says to verse 34, to crush underfoot all the prisoners of, of the earth. God doesn't approve of that. Those who are prison in prison to be crushed. Verse 35, to deny man justice in the presence of the most high. The most high sees all injustices. He sees all. Hear what I'm saying. He, he sees all injustices. Uh, verse 36, to subvert a man in his lawsuit. The Lord doesn't approve of none of this. The Lord doesn't approve of any of these injustices that are taking place. Can I say the Lord still ha he hasn't changed. He doesn't approve of any injustice in a injustices that we are that people saying that are, that that are being experienced the lord doesn't approve of that so what are we to tell people to riot to go and kick indoors no we tell them to wait up on the lord that's what we tell them we don't go to them and and tell them and to act like the world and do the way the to to act like the we that's not what we are to do that as God's children. We're to wait upon him, seek him, look to him, cry out to him. Why would we, why would we want to point people anywhere else? People ask me, what do you think about the time, what do you think we should do? Get on your face. Because I'm a child of God. This is, this is the remedy that God has for his people. The Lord doesn't approve of it. He sees what's going on. And maybe... Maybe God is allowing these things so that the people who he is, has drawn to Christ can humble themselves. God, we're, we're to know that God is in absolute control. This is the last point of the outline and I'm closing. Verses 37 through 38. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the, unless the Lord has come. Whatever is happening, the Lord has, has ordained it. The Lord has decreed it because there is nobody else that can decree something and it happens. Only the Lord can do that. So if whatever is happening, it is happening because the Lord decreed it. There is no circumstance. There is no situation. 
There is no crisis. We think about Ukraine. There is no crisis. There is nothing, no circumstance, no situation that is outside of the sovereign control of God. And so if that is the case, if he has spoken and it came to pass, where should our focus be? On him. Looking to him. Verse number 38. Is it not from the mouth? Listen to what it, listen to what Jeremiah says. You got Babylon. It seems like they are mighty and powerful. They have their idols. But verse number 38. Is it not from the mouth of you see that? The most high. That good and bad come. The times we experience, good times, times of calamity are from God, the most high. And notice that in verse 38, it says in, 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 in verse 37, it says speak. But verse 30, 38 gets more personal about God. It comes from his mouth. Meaning that God is personally that he is personally involved in what's going on. He has, it came from his mouth. The reason that things are, are happening because God has spoken it from his mouth. And we know that God had warned his people. God had, had told him what would happen if they obeyed him. He had told, he told him what would happen if, if they disobeyed him. And as these things come about, they come about because God has spoken. You see, beloved, as I close, it's easy for us as God's people to acknowledge God's sovereignty and his goodness when everything is going well. It's real easy. Things are going well for us. Oh, God is sovereign. God is good. But as soon as the waves start crashing in, something happens. We start fearing. We start. We start having. We we're we're anxious. But the same God who is good and allows us to experience good times is the same God who is intimately involved in the bad times that are going on in our lives. And so if we seek him, if we, if we seek him when things are good, we should not stop seeking him when things are going bad. That's what Jeremiah is trying to get the people to understand. That even though things are bad for them, there is still hope because they're still alive. And, and he Jeremiah uses the name of, of the Lord Yahweh intensively. You, you know that he haven't used the name Yahweh a lot in Lamentations. When he does use it, it's to get our attention. It's to say that God is still Yahweh to his people. He is still the covenant God to his people. That, 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 that is so encouraging. It is, you know, I think about, you know, difficult times and I think about Job and 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 how 
in his life. Nobody suffered outside of, uh, apart from Christ. Christ suffered, and no one could be, no suffering could be compared to what, what Christ suffered. But Job suffered was pretty bad. He lost everything. He lost his family, his livelihood. He lost everything, his health. And his wife turned to him and said, and as, as all of these things are going on, his wife turned to him and said, why don't you just curse God? I mean, things are going bad for you, bad for us, because she lost her children as well, probably her grandchildren. And, and she turns and says to Job, Job, curse God. What did Job say to her? Job turned, he, and he turned to her and he said, you speak as one foolish woman. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil, Job said. And then this is what the Bible says. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. One of the earliest church fathers on this passage here, this is he noted. He said that this text means that if we if we actually experience only misfortunes, we would still need to bear them. God is master and Lord. Does he not possess the power to send us anything? Why does God provide us with our goods? He did not do so because we deserved him. God was absolutely free to send us only afflictions. You get that? God, God, God is God is God. If He wanted to send us only uh, uh, afflictions in our life, then that's then then we have to allow the the the, the reality about God and His sovereignty, the truth about His sovereignty, to saturate our hearts. He goes on. He says, "If He has also granted us goods, why do we complain?" Notice how Job does not speak anywhere about faults or good actions, but only says that God has the power to do whatever he wants. That's one of the early church fathers. And so, beloved, as I, as I close, I, I pray that uh, we uh, use this passage. We're not what Israel experienced is unique to Israel. But we, too, can be chastened by God, disciplined by him. And sometimes when God sent things into our lives, it's not because we have done anything as sin. Or it's just because that's what he chose to do. You think about Job. The Bible says that Job, God acknowledged that Job was a righteous man. God said that. And 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 God used Job. Remember, Satan came to 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 God and said, if you do this, he'll curse you. So as an example to Satan. God took everything from Job. And that was God's sovereign right to do that. To 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 and, and to to show the 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 to show uh, Satan that 
Nah. If I'm sustaining them, they won't curse me. Can, is, is your faith that rooted in God? I, I, I pray that it is. Let, let, us, let us close. Father, I thank you. I pray that the words that I've spoken, and Father, are true to your words. But if not, Father, I pray that you would use even what time we have had together here today to speak to your people. Times aren't going to get any better in this world we live in. And as we go through the different transitions in our lives, Father, we're going to experience times of suffering, times of of affliction, times where life may be coming against us and it may seem unfair. But help us to remember during those times that you never change. Help us to not trust what we feel. Help us to not trust our sinful thinking. Help us to trust in your word. For your word is true. Your word is good. And Father, when we do fail, and maybe some that are here are failing in their life, Be merciful and give the grace that is necessary to help them to recover, to live for your glory. And for those who are downcast in spirit, who are depressed, help them to to see the truth of your word. Help them to analyze their circumstances according to your word because it is your word that gives hope. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for this this church that you have allowed to come together to serve and to worship you. I pray that as you use your word to transform our lives, that that we continue to be a light to others, that we would be used by you to impact not just the lives of people here, but people all around the world. And Father, we know that that is a tall task, but we know that Christ has not leaving us. He hasn't forsaken us. And he's with us as we go. That is our confidence. I pray this in his name. Amen.